here in front of the hospital thinking about the ways in which so many people have been serving uh, the communities in which people live. It's been really interesting to watch the response that people have had uh, to the ways in which especially our healthcare workers have jumped into the fray and, and are, are, are helping in ways that put them at risk. When we especially look at different places like in New York and beyond, we see how these hospitals have been full of people that they're just packed full of people that are sick with COVID and, and that we see and have, we, we've heard these stories of these healthcare workers who are living in their trailers and, and in RVs out in their front yard uh, to, to simply be able to continue to help. They've been separated from their own family by yards for months. I've heard stories of healthcare workers who've contracted COVID, even some in New York who've, who've died from COVID. And when I think about these people, I, I, I begin to think about that central question of occupation and vocation. When I think about occupation, I think about the actual jobs in which they're called to do. I'm thinking about the work in which they've been up to. Nurses and staff and technicians, doctors and surgeons and, and all of the different ways in which different healthcare workers have, have, have uh, made a livelihood. But that's different from that sense of vocation. Vocation is that where we get that word voca, vocal. Um, it's our calling. It's that part of us that feels that deep groaning inside us that wants to meet the deep groaning of the world, as Walter Brueggemann once said. When I think about these healthcare workers and the way that they've been serving, it's not, it's not because they have a job in that. It's not because they have an occupation. It's because they have a calling to help. They have a calling to serve. And when people are sick, that's when they... That's when they feel most alive in their call. See, it's not about occupation, it's about vocation. And the way in which they're serving is about the way in which they're living out their calling. In our text today, we have this seemingly innocuous story. It, it seems almost like a, a detail added to the story of the disciples that, that is almost kind of, you wonder what, what's the point? It, it begins simply that, that there is um, in the earliest story of the church that the way in which they lived were out of these agape feasts that the people of God would gather together for these meals and they would live and serve together. Now, as more Greeks, what they would call Hellenists, uh, became a part of the community, it seems that there was a little division between the Hebrew people and the Hellenists. The, perhaps the Hebrew people were still trapped in that understanding of food laws and worried about the ways in which food laws might affect them. And, and there's still some divisions between the Hellenists and the Hebrews. Perhaps more on that in a couple of weeks. But what's interesting is that the community is beginning to blend together. They're finding ways in which to live together as one people that they're not excluding Hellenists. In fact, they bring, the, the Hellenists, the Greeks, bring their concerns to the disciples and say, we have a problem. Some people are eating and some people are not at our meals. It seems like our widows, our women, are being neglected. Now, the Hebrew people might defend themselves and say, well, according to the law, you're unclean and maybe we're not allowed to, to be near you or around you. But instead, they find another way to do this. They immediately see that there's a need that needs to be addressed. And so the disciples say, 
we really can't spend more of our time. Our calling, our vocation is not to serve in terms of meals and food. Our calling is to serve the Word of God, to be teachers and leaders. So the first thing that is identified is that the, that the apostles, the disciples, and the leaders around that time are identifying their own vocation to be um, the preachers of the Word, the, the leaders of the community. And as leaders, then they say, now we need to identify people that have a different kind of vocation. We need to identify people that have a different kind of calling. And so they say to the Greeks, they say, find people with you, people full of spirit and truth, people full of love, and, and ask them to come help you. So they, they appoint among the Hellenists more people to lead and guide. And so they do. They appoint initially this leader among the Greeks named Stephen. And Stephen becomes a key leader in that early church. It's for this reason that we at Abiding Hope have started a ministry called Stephen Ministry. In Stephen Ministry, we train people for weeks, even months, on how to sit beside, lead, and guide people that are in need. Stephen ministers work very hard at holding one another accountable, training one another to be accountable, so that the care they give is healthy and whole, and that it comes from a space of, of the other person's need as opposed to their own. To be a Stephen minister requires a calling, a vocation. When I think of my own calling, and I think of my life as a pastor, I really do have to think about the difference between vocation and occupation. Yeah, my, my job is as a pastor, and with that role of pastor comes the duties and responsibilities that we expect of a lot of pastors. We expect to be visited and worship to be led and, and the people to be cared for. Another big part of my call when I took on this role of pastor, there's an airplane going overhead, you probably can hear that. Another part of my role as being a pastor is speaking on behalf of the poor and the oppressed and the needy and the hurt. When I made my, my vow as a pastor, that was a part of my call. My call, my call isn't so much to be pastor in terms of an occupation. My call is to be pastor in terms of what the word pastor means. The word pastor comes from that word for shepherd. I'm called to be a leader. I'm called to see people transformed, to see them become someone and something different than what they were before. And for me, that means people like you and I, members at Abiding Hope, to see our lives called and transformed, to see people see the world in a new way. My call is to see you transformed in the way that you're caring and loving other people in the community, to help you discover your purpose, to help you discover meaning in your life far beyond your job, but to see true life come alive in you as you discover God's vision for the world and as you strive for that vision of the world, a world and a vision which may not be what you're used to hearing and seeing, that transformation that sometimes is painful. I'm called, I'm called to speak on behalf of those who may not have a voice themselves. I'm called to see a transformation in the world. I'm called to see things change and not to prop things up the way they've always been. If there's anything that Luther taught us in this time of the church, it's a sense of vocation, of, of discovering where we're being called as the church. As Stephen heeded the call to help and serve the widows in his community, we have to be listening and hearing to the call that we're called to be as the church. 
Our job is not always to be the same. As Luther says, we're, we're called to be always reforming. Semper reformanda, that means always changing, always seeking, always discovering where the Spirit is leading us. You see, when they asked for the, uh, the Greeks to pick men among them, and at this point, the people listed were men, but women were a part of this as well. They, they said to find people who are full of spirit, who are full of love, who are full of that sense of where God is leading them and calling them to be. I want to be one of those people full of spirit. And I want to find other people full of spirit around me, called to the same kind of transformation I'm being called to. When I say catch the spirit, when we think of that theme for our vision right now of catching the spirit, it's catching that vision, catching that sense, catching that desire to be transformed into the way and into the life of God. In Christ, we saw a true transformation, that the way the world had been was being transformed into a new way. The ways of glory, the ways of victory, the ways of, of power were being transformed and turned upside down. Because in Christ, we no longer saw the most powerful as being the ones to follow, but Jesus says, if you want to lead, you have to become a servant. So my question for you all today is this. Like Stephen, where are you being called to serve? Where is your vocation? I pray that your vocation and your occupation align, but if they don't, it doesn't mean find a new vocation, but to find those areas in which your vocation can come through. And that voice, that call in which you're feeling, whose voice is that? Is this the voice of Christ beckoning you into a new way of being in the world? Is it a, a new voice asking you to be in semper reformanda, always in the act of transforming, just like that first community was transforming? Are you ready to be changed in the way that God wants you to be changed? My prayer for each of us is that when we're answering that call of what we are to be, it's not our occupation, but it's that sense of who God is calling us to be in the world. We're called to be like little Christs, laying down our life for the other, crucified as Christ was, resurrected as Christ was, so that we can be the change agents in the world, the reformanda in the world, so that all may experience that real life. May you, may you on this day, hear the voice of God calling you catch that spirit and come alive in a true and real transformation. If you'll pray with me. Holy God, your spirit is beckoning us and always calling us into a new way of being in the world. Be with us again this day, God. May your spirit visit our hearts, transforming us ever more into your likeness. May we hear your call and go where you send us, becoming your servants. We pray all these things in the name of love, whose name is Jesus. Amen.